Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. Also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Get me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. All right, joining me is Ross Levitan uh, from Locked On Senators, also the producer of Maple Leafs Game Night. So you got a pretty good understanding of the Battle of Ontario, maybe more than anybody else, because you see both sides, and uh, although you don't see it quite down the middle, you Ottawa boy, you still know what's going on here in Toronto. How you feeling heading into tonight's game? Must be riding on quite the high after Monday night's comeback win for your sense. It was one of those games, right? It was complete domination by Toronto in the first uh, period plus, and Austin Matthews wide open to make it 5-1. Like at that point, it looked like Derek Stepan's controller died on the on the back <laughs> check. He was gliding. Next thing you know, it's in the back of your net. You can't let one of the best shooters in hockey shoot from there. 17 goals now against Ottawa, or 15 and 17 games, I should say, is, is pretty ridiculous. But the way it turned and the, the way it started, too, such an innocent, just a, a shorthanded goal at the end of the second period. You don't think much of it. Then that same penalty when it ends, the Artem Zoo breakaway, I think that's what really turned the tide. When a defensive defenseman gets a goal in the breakaway, it, it almost makes up for the no fans if you're the Senators, right? You get that energy <laughs> on the bench going, and uh, they really carry to play from there. So, yeah, Mike, you feeling pretty good after that one. It was uh, definitely elite banter going on the social media channels last night or into the early hours of this morning. Yeah, you were, you threw a couple of jabs at us here over at Locked on Leafs as well, which uh, I didn't appreciate too kindly. But you know what? The Senators don't get on winning streaks too often. They're not going to win a whole lot more games going forward. So I'll let you have that one. We'll let it slide. But, uh, you know, they've got another tough task coming up here tonight, right? they got to play Toronto once again. So, um, you know, what are you expecting out of tonight's game? Well, you mentioned that the Senators aren't going to have too many win streaks. Right now, this is how tight the Canadian division is. The Senators with two wins in a row, it's the longest streak in Canada <laughs> as we speak. So that that's pretty hilarious when, when you put it in perspective. But four wins on the season, 17 games, half of those wins coming against Toronto. So if you're a Senators fan, you're feeling good about that, especially as myself, you know, in the heart of enemy territory, as we call it on the podcast. When you're looking at tonight's game and tomorrow for Ottawa, they're getting a couple healthy bodies back. Matt Murray's likely to start tonight, if not tomorrow. He's been on the ice the past two days after missing Saturday's game, didn't dress and didn't dress for the opener of this series. Decord got sent back to the taxi squad, though, so all signs point to Murray. But Hogberg, I mean, coming around now, that's... uh Five goals against, yeah, but uh, still looking sharp down the stretch. I thought he really settled down his crease movement in the in the first, uh, or sorry, in the third period of Monday's game. He was excellent on Saturday. He needs to continue that. Maple Leafs are too good of a team; they're going to get their chances. So Ottawa's goaltending needs to be better. Matt Murray will be back, and another thing Ottawa's had trouble doing a lot this season, especially before Mike Riley turned his game around, was getting the puck up ice. Now they made a few personnel changes that help with that. Getting Brayton Coburn out of the lineup, certainly one of those. But Eric Branstrom, the prize jewel of the Mark Stone trade, he missed the last couple of games with injury after he had a bit of an interesting time. He was quarantined in the Swiss League with his team. Then he comes over, quarantines, 
two days before training camp has a close contact, has to quarantine again. So three times now he's been shut down for 14 day stretches. They didn't make him start in the NHL. They wanted him to get some extra practice reps with the Belleville group. He came up and just changed how they broke out. And it actually was an immediate difference. They put up a couple of good fights against Montreal and got a win out of that series too. So then he got hurt, hasn't been back. So I think that'll really adjust things for Ottawa. Being able to move the puck up ice a little smoother. Those are, I would say, two keys, I guess, staying disciplined when the Leafs' power play is as lethal as it is. That's going to be a key any night. And with a Senators team that likes to play physical, Mikey, that's always a fine line of playing on that edge. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think physicality is is one of the things that, that Ottawa is always going to have over Toronto. Um, but other than, you know, you say the transition game has been a big difference for Ottawa the last couple of weeks. But outside of that, what else has been different? Because I think they've been rather respectable over the last couple of weeks. Earlier in the season, they were getting shelled 8-2, 6-1, you know, 5 nothing. It didn't look good. And and the, they weren't getting saves from their goaltenders. They were having defensive breakdowns left, right, and center. What's kind of been different the last couple of weeks that's had the Senators hanging around in games, and now they're even kind of hanging out to the point where they're winning, you know, the, the, the game where they won with three seconds left in the game against Winnipeg the other night. And then just yesterday or a couple days ago, uh, a massive 5-1 comeback to beat Toronto in overtime. What's been the, the difference here the last little bit? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the start of that stretch that you mentioned from the fourth game of their season. This was after they had started out 1-1-1 and with the one win coming against the Leafs. They lost in overtime to the Jets who scored late and then won it in the extra frame. After that, it was seven straight regulation losses where they allowed 38 goals in seven games. That's uh, pretty hard to do. Impressive nearly <laughs> as they only scored 14. So at a minus 24 goal differential, that's just uh, that's a stat that makes you shake your head. Then they get the win against Montreal. The losses still came after that, but that win against Montreal at the Bell Center, that was the Tim Stutzla three-point night. They won 3-2. Since then, they've outshot their opponents in all but one game. They've been in every game and they just haven't been able to score goals. And maybe that comes back to the talent. Like funny enough, going into last night's game and with Matthew scoring two goals, but Ottawa's offense blew up. So let's leave out last night's game or Monday's game. I should say the Ottawa Senators had scored seven goals in their last five games. Austin Matthews had scored five by himself. So (laughs) Ottawa just wasn't getting goals. And even when they did the two one win against Winnipeg, as you're only scoring two goals. So it was just a matter of getting them on the same page. These young kids aren't getting the puck luck that they deserve. They're, they've got uh, the lowest shooting percentage of the expansion era. Well, since they started tracking stats, they're shooting just under 7%. Mike, you're not going to win many games. That means goalies are stopping almost 94% of the shots. It's uh, It's been tough. And with that goes the confidence of these young players. Drake Batherson had a great goal Monday night, but before that, He'd only had one in the previous 15 games. So he was playing well by all accounts, controlling possession. But when the puck doesn't go in for these young kids, it can really affect their confidence. And you mentioned a player who had a, a standout game the night where things kind of started to turn around, and that was uh, Tim Stutzla. And, you know, he looks like a, a heck of a player. It's it's unfortunate that Lafreniere has had such a slow start to the season, but early on it looks like Stutzla maybe turned out to be the best, uh, the better of the two players, especially early on. But, you know, your early thoughts on uh, Stutzla's season so far here with the Sens. 
Well, I loved how, how DJ Smith put it, and you're obviously close with overdrive. DJ Smith was over with uh, with those boys and mentioned at the same age, Mitch Marner was playing with the London Knights. So sometimes you take for granted just how young Stutzla is, turned 19 in January on the day of his first NHL game, which was kind of a fun story and all that. So when when he gets a bit stronger, I see his game translating to the middle of the ice. Right now they've been playing him at left wing, rotating cast at center, typically Derek Stepan, you can argue that might be the worst fit. Although he's a veteran, Stepan not great at faceoffs and, and maintaining possession. Although he did win that big one in the third period that led to the, the game tying goal. Stepan's way under 50% this year. I would like to see Stutzla get a chance in the middle of the ice. Brady Kachuk, funny enough, takes a lot of faceoffs, especially for a winger. So I think that once he gets stronger, but right now, and you know how great these centermen are in the North Division. You're not getting good matchups, whoever no. you're playing on a nightly basis. And they're already kind of putting Josh Norris in that position, another rookie, but 21 years old, already has a full pro season under his belt. To have both those guys go up against the Tavares-Matthew combos and you name it, with every team, there's a great two one-two punch down the middle. It's just a matter of easing him in. So I love what I've seen. His, his course, he's been getting smoked on occasion and his plus minus is near the bottom of the league but you're seeing signs and it's mostly with these little it plays in tight. You can just see how his brain he's processing things a step or two ahead. His hands are silky. It's just, he needs to build that strength. I think the NHL though is the best place for him to do that. I know it's not a del- developmental league, but he's at the point in his skill level that he can still get by at this level. And I could see him exploding here in year two. He seems to have found really good chemistry with Drake Batherson. You saw the two of them, combined for that first Ottawa goal on Monday night. If they find themselves a center or you move in um, Stutzla to that position and put Kachuk on left wing, I think that it's just a matter of getting him comfortable. But I've loved what I've seen so far in his first 15 games. That game Monday, he played more than two minutes greater than his former career high. So he was almost on the ice for 20 minutes, led all Ottawa forwards in ice time. Yeah, he, he looks like he belongs. I'm not going to lie. He, he looks like he certainly belongs in the NHL. I know most 18-year-olds need a little bit of an adjustment period, but I think Tim Stutzla and the fact that he was playing, uh, was he playing with men last year in the DEL? I think that helps as well, right? The fact with, that... With former uh, Marley's captain, Ben Smith, was on his line. There you go. So I, I, it certainly helps the fact that he's been playing against men for more than just a couple of weeks, some something that Lafreniere has been able to do, which might be, you know, him trying to figure his game out. Well, Stutz already knows how to play a heavier style game against guys who are a little bit bigger and faster than him, who are, who have developed bodies. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take a look at the Maple Leafs perspective of this matchup tonight between the Senators and the Leafs. But before we do, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors, and that's Built Bar. I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They've got 18 amazing flavors and six brand new flavors that you want to check out. My favorite, cookies and cream. It is fantastic. But they also got caramel brownie, cherry barcia, carrot cake, apple, almond crisp. And that goes along with the other 12 original flavors. And we already know how much I love myself, my peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy, folks. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or 
or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you a little bit about the peanut butter bar. It's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you. These bars are healthy, they're delicious, they're amazing. You just got to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to the Locked On These Podcast. Mike DiStefano, the host of this program here with you. Alongside me, we got Ross Levitan of Locked On Leafs, but also the game night producer of Maple Leafs game night here at TSN 1050, so... Well, we are not only co-workers on the Locked On Network, but also co-workers here at TSN. Um, so, Ross, you know what's going on with the Maple Leafs, you, just as much as you know what's going on with uh, with the Senators. So, based on what you saw the other night, and you at Locked On Sends are a goalie-friendly show, I'll also take this moment to say that in the third segment, uh, I'm going to let you know about what my goaltending rankings were for the North Division, because this was... Uh, a conversation point on overdrive, which was hilarious. And I want to get your thoughts on it being a, a former goalie yourself. But uh, speaking of goaltenders, the conversation right now in Toronto is, is it time to give Freddie a night off? Is it time to give him a rest? He's coming into a back-to-back here against the Senators. He typically plays night one of the back-to-backs. But he got kind of lit up last night or the other night and... I wonder if he's just kind of hit a wall. That That's like he's played a lot of games in a row. He's played every single game since Jack Campbell went down to injury. And we know that Freddie Anderson does get fatigued, uh, you know, when he gets overworked. And I'm, I wonder if that is the case right now. So if you're Sheldon Keefe, how would you handle the crease this week? You're giving Anderson both games where some are suggesting because you don't want to see Michael Hutchinson in net. Or are you going to give him that night off, get Hutchie in net in game one, Anderson in game two? You're going to give him night one and then Hutch in game two. How are you handling it here if you're the head coach of the Maple Leafs? I, f- I think you figure they'll split the two games, but you go with Freddie Anderson in night one. It's the night he'd rather play, but also coming off the defeat that they did, I don't think you want to change things. You want to go into this next game. Like, imagine the Leafs come out and lay an egg in the first period on Wednesday night. It's uh, it's going to be turned up temperature-wise in a hurry. So I think that you you go with Anderson. He's been your guy, but at the same time, you make a good point. He's tied with Miko Koskinen with the most games played across the national hockey league. And yeah, that there'd be guys closer if there weren't so many games postponed, but 14 games out, out of 16 and Jack Campbell playing the other two, it, isn't it kind of just too much to ask? Like I know Jack Campbell's already skating, but you're playing this condensed schedule. You'd rely on a tandem more than ever. Yeah. I think you have to go with at least the split. I would say get, get Anderson night off, but you're going to play him one of the two. So it may as well be on night one. Yeah, I, I'm. I think you're, we're going to get a split. I, I don't know where the narrative started about how they'll let Anderson get both games. I think people just hate Michael Hutchinson that much because of what they saw him do last year. Although did not too shabby in the playoffs. Uh, but you know what? I, I'm I'm kind of thinking I'd rather start Hutchinson, and we're not sure who's going to start in net tonight. That information uh, has not yet come out at the time of recording this podcast. But I'm thinking Hutch just because you know, like I said, he's played every game. I think he kind of just hit a wall. And it's not like when you think about when goalies get shelled one night, they give up a whole bunch of goals, and then you end up 
playing them the next night. Usually it's because the team let them down in front of him. Although Toronto didn't play well uh, in front of him in that third period, and and the play in front of him was also a, a... kind of a, a reason why the collapse kind of happened. I also think that he let in some weak goals. Like, that, that was on him. I think he needs to refresh and take a couple of nights to kind of recalibrate himself. And I think fatigue is starting to set in on him a little bit. And I personally might even go with Hutchinson in night one myself. But then you think that one night is going to do enough of a difference? I don't know, but but I I just think that he needs he does need a, an extra little bit of time off. Like he's just played so much in such little time. You mentioned it's already a condensed season as is. Was it the Leafs that didn't even dress Anderson for one of the games in the first series? I forget which team yes. did that. Yes, it was Anderson took a night off, and then that was uh, Aaron Dell dressed as the backup, right? And uh, Jack Campbell got the start. Yeah, that was game. Two, I th- or the second game, yeah. So game three on the year, but the second game of that series against yeah. Ottawa, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Don't, what they don't end quite up have doing. that option right now. No, they don't. <laughs> it's either Anderson <laughs> or it's Hutchinson. That's that's really the only option. And again, you know, we go back to it. I talked about. I haven't brought this up in a little bit, but now you go back and you're saying to yourself, man, the fact that Jumbo goes down and then Nick Robertson went down. And all of a sudden, the Leafs are in a little bit of cap troubles, and they had to send somebody on waivers, and they end up putting Aaron Dell on waivers, and he gets claimed by the New Jersey Devils, and all of a sudden, this goalie depth, then Jack Campbell gets hurt a couple days later. Actually, I think it was the very next night he got hurt, and all of a sudden, you went from having Hutchinson as your number four, hopefully we don't have to use him, he's just going to be AHL guy, don't even want him on our practice squad, to now we're talking, oh man, he's going to have to start games for us this week. Yeah, I, I don't know where you go next, right? You you lose depth in a hurry. And I know they have Joseph Wall in their system out of Boston College, but it doesn't seem like he's turned into too much. Only an 880 save percentage and 32 starts last year with the Marley. So I don't think you're barking up that tree. So you have what you have. I, I think you just kind of let Anderson do his thing. I don't think Anderson's asking to be taken out, even for one of these games. He'd probably play both if if you let him. I think you you split the difference and Get Hutchinson involved. This is a guy that can play at the NHL level. How good? Yes, you can argue that, but I don't know. I think if you're the Leafs, there's a couple other things you're looking at other than the starting goalie. It starts with just commitment to detail when you're up so much. And if this if they can build a lead, that's not the part that worries me. If I'm if I'm the Leafs, I'm wondering how I'm going to maintain that and bring it all the way home. Right. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And with that, I'll get to my three keys of the game. Um, for, for myself, I'm thinking if you're Toronto, you got to play a full 60-minute effort. I think they played a, a good 39 minutes the other night. Uh, they were up 5-1 going into uh, the late stages of the second period. They were in complete control and then just fell apart. So I think the Leafs do need a full 60-minute effort and hammer, hammer the pedal to the metal 
in the third period. That's what they need to do. It's now back-to-back games that the Leafs have given up third period um, third period leads. And I'm sure you got the stat right on you. What was the stat for Ottawa down by four in a game like 0-243? 37 and, and oh, two. And Toronto breaks that streak. Like yeah, that. <laughs> it was uh, 240th opportunity, down four goals or more, and the first time they became victorious. It's also fourth time in, fa- in team history in the second since 93 that the same player tied the game in the last five minutes and then proceeded to score the overtime winner. Ian Mendez had a great tweet saying it was only fitting that daddy ends the game on family day. I thought that was fantastic. That is kind of funny, actually. I didn't think about that. But, yeah, if that's his nickname, daddy, daddy, dad enough. That's uh, that's, that's a, some fun alliteration there. Uh, one of the other keys that I think Toronto really needs to to do to beat them, we, we kind of discussed how Ottawa, they're not the most skilled team, but they're a strong team, and they're a bit of a feisty team. They like to throw their body around a little bit, throw the weight around, and, and I think that Toronto needs to just utilize their speed a bit more. Uh, that's just a way to break down, just simply keep skating, keep the feet moving, utilize their speed and skill, play their game, transition the puck up a little bit quicker, get chances off the rush, kind of force them to take penalties for being at a position and really utilize your strengths. And that's one of the, the, the keys that I think Toronto has against uh, against Ottawa. So that's the, my second key of the game. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a, a solid key for them because without that, Ottawa kind of runs around a little bit and they can get you knocked up and, and maybe taking a little bit of focus away. I know we saw that scrap last night. Funny enough, Brady Kachuk with no hits credited to him in the game very rare usually he's up around six seven or eight although he, he had a great fight with uh with muzz and i had a laugh because it was almost like he was fighting his brother's battles right with, yeah, uh, with the, the puck, puck flip, flip incident from a couple weeks ago yeah yeah, yeah. It, you know it's funny you mentioned that actually about the 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 no hits there was a story floating around there i think it was from the athletic or, or maybe it was even tsn that had uh there was a, an issue with the stat counters and the way that it's happening uh, with the stack calculations through maybe it's NHL.com, but things aren't being counted properly. I think shots on goal was one that was really kind of weird. I mean, there was a, a sequence where Toronto had like five or six shots on goal, but only two of them were counted and, and it was just really strange. So it just, that just reminded me when you brought up the fact that Brady Kachuk had no hits. I wonder if that is really the case because that's it's Brady Kachuk. That guy just runs around hitting people. That's kind of what yeah. he does. Third in the league in hits, but uh, first in the league in shots on goal. It's pretty unbelievable having that combo. Really? That's surprising. Yeah, he's uh, he's the f- quickest to get to 500 hits and 500 shots on goal since 95, 96. And he's like 200 ahead of the competition. And the guys who are like next on there are Gabriel Landeskog and Owen Nolan. So some pretty good company there. And to think that a lot of people were upset when, uh, when the Senators decided to, to make that pick instead of... Uh, Habs fans should be upset they didn't take him at three. I mean, I don't know how good Kotkaniemi is going to be, but you look at, at passing on a talent like Brady Kachuk. Imagine him and Gallagher on a line together. Yeah. Just be pissing off everybody. That'd be crazy. Um, my third key, I think, is is kind of a, a general key. But, they, you know, I think the Leafs need to win the special teams battle. they got to score on the power oh, yeah. play. And most importantly, don't allow shorthanded goals. It's a pretty simple concept. But that shorthanded goal by Nick Paul last night, 
the other night. That that really changed the momentum of the game, and, and the comeback was on from there. So they got to be a little smarter on the power play. John Tavares just can't be coughing up the puck in his own zone like that. They they need to finish when they get the man advantage and put up goals and put this team away. So I think special teams, as usual, is is definitely going to be a, a big key in this game. Yeah, and you look at Ottawa, they are uh... – I, I can't say last is a bunch of teams without one, but that goal that Nick Paul scored shorthanded was the Senators' first as a team. So they haven't been winning the special teams battle much. Their um, their shorthanded goal differential. They're, they've allowed 14 power play goals as well, and they're just the most penalized team in the league as well. So it's pretty recipe, pretty big recipe for failure when you uh, lack discipline and then lack a good penalty kill. One thing Ottawa's improved a lot is their faceoffs shorthanded. Through the first eight games when they were getting blown out left, right, and center, they uh, they were winning 28% of their face-offs at one point shorthanded. And just giving the other team possession, especially with the offensive talent they're going up against. When when they were going up against Edmonton, went four for five one night, and it was a complete domination. Uh, that was the game that Drysaddle had six points, McDavid had five at the halfway mark. You just can't <laughs> allow other teams to get that much possession on the power play. Getting those face-off wins and a quick clear, killing off that first 20 seconds or so, it's just so big, and it's one of the reasons that's turned around. So if the Leafs can win the, the special teams battle, I think it's almost the, the nail in the coffin. So I think that's a great key. Yeah, and I mean, I've been harping for all season long about the acquisition of Manny Malhotra and how he's uh, been a big key for this team strictly because of what he's been able to do in the face-off draw. Like, you look at what's going on over in Vancouver and, and how well they can take face-offs. We're seeing that translate here in Toronto right now. Uh, you know, John Tavares winning a lot of draws. Jason Spezza went on, like, a 15-0 and streak earlier this year where he was un- unbeatable in the face-off dot. And then, obviously, Austin Matthews right now amongst the league's best in, in the draw. So, you know, face-offs are, are key, especially, though, when you're – in special teams because you want to win that opening draw and keep possession in the offensive zone on the power play and on the opposite end when you're trying to kill off a power play you know you you win that opening draw and send the puck down the ice so definitely um that's that's always going to be a key uh all right man ross i really appreciate you joining me today that was a good fun conversation always enjoy our chats you can go and listen to his podcast. Uh, I know it's enemy territory with the Sens and being the Battle of Ontario, but it, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Him and Brandon Pillar really bring the heat each and every day. It's a good laugh. It's a good time. You can check that out at Locked on Sens. That's going to do it for us here today on the podcast, though. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked on These podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the Joe at Locked on Lease and follow Ross at Ross Levitan. And uh, Ross, once again, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, appreciate the kind words, Mikey. Always love going back and forth. And uh, this isn't the last series, Ottawa, Toronto. So uh, we'll do it again down the road for sure. That's right. We got uh, a game tonight, folks. So enjoy it. The Leafs and Sens at Scotiabank Arena. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where myself and four of the Locked On hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. I'll be recapping tonight's game for the Leafs and Senators. Till then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.